want to start with uh, in John 14. It's a good setting for us because, y'all, we live in uncertain times right now. And, uh, and even now, as we watch the news, things seem to be getting better. And then you'll hear a report where things seem to be getting worse. And, and everything keeps centralizing around the pandemic. But the truth is, is that all of life is really uncertain. Like we, we don't know when our last breath is. We don't know when the next injury will bring. We don't know what the day itself will bring. I don't know what's going to happen today. But especially now, as we're gathering digitally, I mean, this is how we have to come together if we want to see one another. I guess we could do like some churches and we could pull up our cars and, and park and, and so that we could still see each other. But, but what I'm saying is that fellowship looks really different right now. And we don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow. We don't know what it's going to look like in a couple of weeks. I had someone text me this morning and say, when will you be able to meet together again as a fellowship? And I said, I don't know. But in all of this uncertainty, the only thing that is certain is that our God is on the throne and that everything else in this world is uncertain. Like those are the only certainties that we have. And if we hope in this world and in our circumstances, then we will always be wondering what's next and we will worry and we will be anxious. And so there's, a, there's John 14, 1 through 4 is what we're going to look at today. And it's really comforting. This is a really comforting passage. And even though he was speaking of it to his, um, to his disciples at the moment of his death, it's still a really comforting passage because it's really applicable for us. But y'all, if we are Christians, we above all people cannot lose hope. It's not possible for genuine Christians who are seeking God to lose hope. Does not mean that days will not be hard. It does not mean that there will not be darkness. It does not mean that you will not lie in your bed at night and wonder what the next day holds and what you're supposed to do. It does not mean that the storm clouds do not fill the sky, but it does mean this. We do not lose hope. We can't. Because all the promises of God are true. And he always is faithful. And so he gives us much comfort. He gives us many promises. And we cannot despair. And so that's what I see in John, 1 through, or John 14, 1 through 4. Really what it comes down to is you and I must have a stubborn peace. Oh, this is going to be fun. We get to watch pizza being made um, while listening to a sermon. This will be nice. This will be fun. Perfect for the ADD pastor. This is going to be good. You're good, Brandon. Don't worry. But uh, y'all, our lives are mists. The pandemic is even shorter and more brief. And in the grand scheme of things, what will stand are the promises of God? So I've titled this sermon, The Hope He Gives, because I believe that it's in this hope, it's in these passages, that we can see that the main thrust of this is that Jesus at his point of death says, have hope, there is a promise here. So let's read John 14, 1 through 4. John 14, 1 through 4 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. So that's, our, that's it. That's our passage for this morning. And in it, we hear 
this, this simple statement, let not your hearts be troubled. And then he tells them why. And to cross life who I can see this morning and to the cross lifers that I can't see this morning, I'm saying to you as well, let not your hearts be troubled. As he was going to the cross, let not your hearts be troubled. And as we face each day, let not your hearts be troubled. We're going to get started, but let's pray first. Lord God, your word is open before us. Lord, help us to to attend to your word and may your spirit speak in such a clear way within us. Lord, not my eloquence of speech, but the surety of your word and the promises that you give us. Lord God, we are yours and we want to feast on your word. Amen. All right, y'all. My prayer is that as we read these passages, that our, there's kind of a swelling that takes place in us, that, that our hope is more sure, that we become maybe a little bit more excited, that we become a little bit more emboldened, because all of the world is uncertain, like I said. And then here's what Jesus says. So I want us to move through these passages, and we're going to start with verse 1. So y'all move with me. It says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Y'all, context always matters. Context always matters. If nothing else, then at the end of my pastorate, I hope that that's one thing that you will take from me, is that context only matters, or I mean, it always matters. It, It matters who it's being said to, what's being said, why they've said it, when they've said it. All those things matter. I mean, consider this. If I were to say to chastity, I think that's hideous. I think that was a bad idea. It makes a huge difference if I'm talking about a picture that she bought or a haircut that she got, right? What I say doesn't really change, but the meaning of it does based on who I'm talking to, what I'm talking about, and why I've said it. So I'm always going to point us back to context. And I have to say that this is a time whenever the chapter and verse numbers actually do us a huge disservice. Remember, the chapter and verse numbers were not originally there. John did not write a chapter number and a verse number. He wrote the script. He wrote the text. And then scholars have gone back over the years, and they've added in the chapters and the verse numbers and the the little subheadings that you see. This is a time where we look at John 14, verse 1, and if we're not careful, we take it in isolation. We start with, let not your hearts be troubled. Man, y'all look at the context. So let's actually jump back a few verses because to me, the context matters so much to everything that we're about to look at. In, in verse 36 of John 13, this is the context. It starts with, Simon Peter said to him, Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. See, there's like a, there is a flow there. There is, there's a connection. He looks at Simon Peter, and he just told them that where I'm going, you can't come. I'm about to go away. I'm about to die. And Peter, you're going to deny me. And then he turns to the rest of the disciples and he looks at them because he's saying, I'm about to die. I'm about to leave this earth. I'm going to go. Don't be troubled. Everything, the darkest hour is about to fall and your faith is going to be tested. 
Let not your hearts be troubled. See, context matters. It takes on a whole new implication. Context basically puts us, puts us in this situation. This is Jesus' response to his crisis. In his crisis, he turns his attention and he cares for his disciples. That's what's going on here. And in the crisis that we have, whether it's a parenting crisis, a marriage crisis, a pandemic crisis, a job crisis, whatever the crisis is, the promise is still true. What he said to his disciples applies to us. Let not your hearts be troubled. I am in control. The word troubled there, we can translate it in many ways. And depending on your, your Bible, it might, it might say frustrated or anxious or worried. So Jesus is saying to him, I'm about to die, but don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Don't be frustrated. Why? Just believe in God and believe in me. So the remedy, church, for our anxiety and our distress is belief. In this world, there will be distress, there will be frustration and anxiety, and the the remedy for that is belief. We must not doubt in the dark moments what God has already shown us in the light. And has he not already shown us his goodness? Has he not shown us his faithfulness? Has he not already shown you time and time again that he will protect and provide and will guard you? And has he not shown himself that when we are unfaithful, he is still faithful? He has shown us that in the light over and over again, so let's not doubt in the dark moments what he has already shown us. I love what Matthew Henry says. He puts it this way. Christ's disciples, more than others, should keep their minds quiet when everything else is unquiet. He says, here's the remedy against this trouble of mind, belief. And I'm about to look at the two things he tells us to believe. But, but first, I want to look at the character of Christ because doesn't this match up with Matthew 9.36? That's what I think of. Matthew 9.36 is one of my, my pastoral verses. It's one of my life verses. In Matthew 9.36, Jesus is in the midst of doing ministry. And it says, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I mean, do you hear that parallel that in Matthew 9, 36, Jesus looks out at the crowds and he sees them and he says, these are like sheep without a shepherd. And then he begins to minister to them. And they were in a religious society. There were priests and Pharisees and Sadducees all around. There was everyone who knew the law. And he turns and he sees the crowd and he says that they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he begins to, uh, to have compassion on them. And it's that same heart that though he's about to die, he turns to his disciples and he becomes the shepherd in that moment to his sheep. And he says, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. I'm going away, but I'm coming back. So you and I, just like the disciples, we're going to have critical moments whenever we don't know what the next moment or the day holds. We don't know what our health will look like. We don't know what our marriages will look like. We don't know what America is going to look like. But we do know this, that everything that God has said is true. And so what you and I then have from these verses that we're about to look at, we have an unshakable hope and joy that though the dark is here for the moment, y'all storm clouds pass. Though the night is with us for the moment, we have the stars, we have the moon that reflects the radiance of the sun 
The sun, like the S-U-N, the sun is immovable. It's a promise. We know it's going to be there. That during a storm, during the day, whenever the thunder feels like it's shaking the earth, we know that the sun is beyond the clouds and we know that those clouds will move on. And things in this world will move on. And the sun, not the S-U-N, but the eternal sun, S-O-N, Jesus Christ will stand. He is permanent. I think that's what he's trying to say to his disciples in that moment. Don't be troubled. Don't be moved by what you're experiencing right here. This is momentary. He says, I want you to believe two things. He says, the two things that we need to look at. Jesus is preparing a place for his people, and Jesus is returning to retrieve his people. And if we hold to these two things, then I think that it, it swells our hope even more because the moments of this life will challenge us, challenge us. But let's look at this. Jesus is preparing a place for his people. Look at verse 2. He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So believe in this, he says. My father's house has a dwelling place. And in that dwelling place, there are many rooms, many mansions, many abodes, many dwelling places for you. And I'm going to go prepare that place for you. Don't be troubled because I'm going to prepare it. Now the question becomes for, for us, and it's, it's, a, it's a great temptation and I think it comes from a pure heart, but the question starts to become, what does this place look like? Right? We always want to know what heaven looks like, and we sing about it. And as kids, we, we even sing songs, and we have ideas about the streets of gold, but the truth is we don't know exactly what this looks like. He says he's going to prepare a place, but we don't know what it looks like. We only get glimpses of, of eternity in the Bible. We see um, in Revelation 21, the new Jerusalem, we see the heaven coming down to earth, and it is radiant and beautiful. We see in other passages that the glory of God fills the heavens. We are in the heavenly throne room in Revelation 4 and 5, but we just keep getting glimpses of eternity. We don't know what this really looks like, this place he's going to prepare for us, but my point is, does that even matter? Like the point of the passage is not what does heaven look like? Do we really need the descriptions? Because you know what? The disciples didn't. You know what they needed to hear in that moment? Is that Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. What mattered to them in that moment is what should matter to us in every moment. Not what does heaven look like, but I will be with my God and he will be with me. I'm afraid that, that when we focus on the descriptions of heaven, we're way too tempted to look at the descriptions of heaven and we neglect the substance of heaven. Y'all, heaven is the place, but God is the reward. We are going to be in an unimaginable place of, of beauty and grandeur, and it's something that we cannot imagine. But what's more amazing is that our God will be with us, and we will be with him face to face, and we will never part for all of eternity. That is the substance of heaven. Revelation 21, 3-4 says this, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, and no more mourning, and no more crying or pain, for the former things have passed away. I don't know about you, but that gives me such a deep hope and peace. 
because that's heaven. That's where we will be for all of eternity. We will be with him. And if it doesn't create that in us, then I think that we need to be praying because, number one, I'm afraid that we haven't grasped the the deep beauty and the grandeur of who God really is. If that doesn't cause us to yearn for that moment. Or maybe, maybe we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And then we've, we've strayed. For whatever reason, sin has developed this divide so that we don't see God as all beautiful and almighty and, and it's something that we desire. So we read those verses and it's a great memory verse and it makes us feel good, but it's not the object of our desire. Y'all, Christians, you will be with him. He will wipe away, God himself, every tear from your eye and he will not let any pain or mourning or sadness or sickness come to you anymore. No more dark days, no more um, wondering what comes next. You will be with him. So we don't need a description of heaven. We need to hold to the substance of heaven. We will be with him. We'll just, we'll be with him in heaven. But our chief reward is that we will be with God forever. Second thing that we need to believe is this. Jesus is returning to retrieve his people. He is coming back for us. In verse 3, he says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. Y'all notice this, and whenever you read scripture, Jesus spoke of his return as assuredly as he spoke about his departure. Every time he talked about his death, it was with assuredness that this was going to happen. And every time he spoke about his return, it was with assuredness that this will happen. So you and I sit here anticipating that return. But he said, believe in this. I'm coming back. If I go prepare a place, I'm going to come get you. He doesn't just say, I'm going to come get you. He said, I'm going to come get you, and I'm going to bring you back to that place I prepared. So there is this promise. Now the question then becomes, when? Right? Where's the timeline? And I was reading a, a theologian who was going into, now this indicates this is going to happen and, and that this is when it'll happen. Y'all, let's, I mean, look at the verses themselves. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that there I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. Jesus was not laying out a timeline there. I don't think that that's the heart of it. I think we can look at it, I think it's good to be knowledgeable of it, but what if the point of this is not when, but wow. I mean, I think that that's what the disciples were experiencing that moment. Not, Lord, when are you coming back, but wow. You're coming back for us. You came into this world. You're going to die on the cross. You've been resurrected, and you're coming back for us. So what if we quit worrying about timelines and theories and mysteries and things that we really can't know this side of of eternity? I think it's good to think on those things. And I have my convictions about what they are. And I have my preferences of when I want the rapture to be, if if that plays out. Um, I I don't know these things, though. And scholars that, that I read and theologians have been divided on these things. What if it's not about the timelines, theories, and mysteries? What if it's just dwelling on the great hope that we absolutely have, that the King of all glory, the great I am, is coming for his people and we will never be apart from him when he comes? That's what the disciples had in that moment and it was enough for them. 
I think that that's what we need in this moment. I don't, I don't think that Jesus was just making an eschatological statement. He's not just making a statement about um, when he's going to return. He's, he's really just offering them hope. Remember, context matters. And he just told Simon Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to abandon me. And then he turns to him and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going so that I can prepare a place for you and I will come back. God, isn't that what we need these days? You and I, in this uncertain world, need to cling to this. The same two things that he told them. Believe in God, believe in me. And he said, here's an example of what you can believe in. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then and let's quit splitting hairs over when and when and how. And just hear the thrust of his points. I will come again. I will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. Y'all, the disciples are with him now, never to part. The great prophets throughout the ages, they are with him now, never to part. You and I one day will be with him face to face forevermore. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Believe me. And if I'm going to prepare it for you, know that I'm going to make sure you get there, y'all, because no one builds a house with the thought that no one will ever live in it. He didn't go to prepare a place and just hope that people make it there. He said, I'm going to, to make a place. I'm going to prepare a place. And then I'm coming and I'm bringing you with me. And so there's one purpose in all of that as we move to our conclusion. And the purpose in all of that is in in verse 3, why would he do all this? So that where I am, you may be also. Christians and cross life, brothers and sisters in Christ, he did it so that we can be with him in eternity. And so there is a hope that only, only Jesus can give us. And he shows us a glimpse of it in John 14, 1 through 4. Y'all, this, the world right now is enduring the coronavirus, coronavirus pandemic. But that's going to pass. And if, but if our hope is based only in this world, then when this world crumbles, so will our hope. If we keep looking to a world that is constantly shifting, then our faith will be fickle. But we have a firmer hope. We have something that does not move. We have something that's unshakable and unmovable. This is a hope that only God can give us. That's why I said at the beginning that Christians cannot lose hope. We hear these words of Jesus and we know they're true. The problem is we have a spiritual amnesia and we forget that he said, I'm coming back for you. We have a spiritual amnesia and we forget that he has time and time again comforted and shown us his goodness. Y'all, if we would position our hope in God and in heaven, then it will be unshakable. It would, it would encourage us in moments. It would drive us. And I think that we would live such radically different lives that we were called to live. We would live lives because we know that our hope is sure that if things fall apart here, then we know that in eternity they're still solid. That would cause us to live such radically different lives that we can step out in faith and venture in ways that make absolutely no sense to the world, but make absolute sense in eternity. Y'all, for some of you that are listening right now, I know that there's, there's some pretty, pretty dark days. Whether it's, whether it's marital, whether it's financial, whether it works too heavy or too light. 
And I'm looking across the, the screen and I'm thinking about those who can't be with us. And I'm also thinking about those that I know who are in other churches. But God never said that your days would be easy. He never said that it would be a best life now. What he did say is that when you go through the valleys, I will be with you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. He did say that in the dark moments, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, cross life. And if it were not so, Jesus says, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. Y'all, on the cusp of his death, our compassionate Savior comforted and gave hope to his disciples. We will be together again with him. He says, I'm going to make all the preparations and all of this will pass and you will be with me face to face. Y'all, if you're a follower of Christ, I hope that just simply looking at these verses and reflecting on these promises and that sureness that we have, like I hope that that's giving you comfort for the day. I hope that it gives you like joy and relief in these uncertain times. But if you're sitting there also, or if you're listening and you're not a follower of Christ, then I hope that you hear the great hope that we have. Like, I'm excited preaching these verses, and I'm excited to get to talk about God. And it's not because I deny all circumstances that are around us. It's because I know that no matter what comes at us as Christians, we will not be destroyed. If we die in this life, we're living forevermore in eternity. This is the closest to hell that Christians will ever get. It's the furthest from God's presence that we will ever be, and He's living within us. But there will be a moment when all of this world passes away, and we Christians have hope because we will never be apart again. So if you're someone who's not a follower of Jesus, and, and you're listening, and I hope you hear that hope. Our Savior has made peace by His blood so that we, though sinful, can stand before a holy God. And if you have questions about that, then ask a Christian friend or, or let me know. But as I'm looking across the screen right now, I'm, I see believers and I see those who put their hope in God. So I want you to just to hear it in the context of what Jesus spoke to those who are already following him. That regardless of what may come, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. Because those two forces right there are absolutely unshakable. And his promises are true. Cross Life, I love y'all so much. I wish more of our Cross Life families and friends could be with us. Um, we're going to pray. And, uh, and y'all also feel free or, or help to, to share our sermons um, with people who you know need to hear them. You can put the disclaimer, he's not a great speaker. Ignore the sound of his voice. But here's some word for you today. So, so thankful for you all. I'm going to pray and then we will we'll leave the meeting. Uh, it's good to see your faces. Good to see your kids' faces. Um, and just good to know that we're praying for one another. Y'all, let's pray. Lord God, um, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that this is not my best life right now. I mean, as blessed as it is, as much as I love it, Lord, with my kids and my family, we can go enjoy Days at Mount Magazine and we can, we can enjoy the, the pleasure and the taste of food and, and fellowship and we can hear laughter. Lord, thank you, though, 
that this is not all there is, that eternity is something much bigger and vaster. Lord, you have given us this world to give us a foretaste in the good moments of what's to come. So Lord, the blessing of this house that you've given me is nothing compared to what you've prepared for me. And Lord, the fellowship that we have with one another and fellow believers is just a foretaste of the fellowship that we will have with everyone in heaven and with you forever and ever. So Lord, I'm saying, thank you for all of your blessings, but thank you even more that they are just a foretaste of the the promises that you've given us. Lord, for any of us who are weak and wavering, Lord, may we remember the great goodness of who you are. Help us not to get caught up in in timelines and, and mysteries that we were never meant to solve. Help us to just trust you and help us to trust you've prepared a place for us and you will bring us home. Amen. You guys have a great day. Thank y'all. Love everybody. Bye. 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 Bye, everybody.